I finally did it, gang. I watched a game that made me feel slightly different about Alabama. Yep, I watched the Crimson Tide's annual SEC November bye week contest against the Citadel. You thought I was going to say I watched back Alabama, Georgia, right? No, not yet. We're saving that for later this week. But I'm guessing a lot of you didn't see a second of Alabama Citadel. And for one half, it was actually a game. When both teams entered the locker room at halftime, the contest was tied at 10. Now, when I heard about this game previously, I always kind of assumed the tie score was because Alabama really didn't care all that much heading into this game. And upon watching the contest, that was probably true. But the Citadel actually did push Bama around a bit in that first half. Sure, the Bulldogs run the flex bone. They've got a goofy offense, and they're built to pick up three to four yards at a time, which is exactly what they did in the first half. The Citadel had the football five times in the first 30 minutes, and its drives went punt, punt, touchdown, punt, field goal. Meanwhile, the Bulldogs controlled the clock and limited Alabama to just four first-half possessions, which went touchdown, punt, fumble, field goal. You heard that right. The Citadel turned Alabama over. It was a nice strip from behind on Jerry Judy. The Citadel only averaged 4.9 yards per play in the first half against Alabama. But the most important thing I saw was the Bulldogs' undersized offensive line exploding out and pushing back the Bama front four on multiple occasions. Now the Citadel only had one explosive play. It was a 50-plus yard touchdown run on a beautiful triple option pitch. But seeing an offensive line like the Citadel's push Alabama around a few times, admittedly, gave me some encouragement. If the Bulldogs can get a nice push multiple times, what is Oklahoma's offensive line capable of against Alabama? This game was tied at 10 at the half. And guess what? Alabama fumbled the opening kickoff of the third quarter. The Citadel got the football in plus territory with a great chance to take the lead. But of course, the Bulldogs went three and out and then missed a field goal. From there on out, it was complete and utter dominance in that third quarter. Alabama went down and scored a touchdown, then forced a Citadel fumble and returned that for a touchdown. Then Bama went on to score two more touchdowns. By the end of the third, it was 37-10 Bama. The game was over. After averaging 4.9 yards per play in the first half, the Citadel averaged 1.1 yards per play in the third quarter, missed a field goal, turned it over, and punted three times. Now, obviously, this game didn't tell me much. Alabama didn't give it their all. Plus, it was a look-ahead spot as Auburn was up next for the Tide. But power and strength in the trenches is something Alabama takes pride in, no matter who it's playing. You think those defensive players didn't want to get a tackle for loss every time and make crushing hits in the run game? Of course they did. And for one half, Alabama was uncomfortable. There's no question the Crimson Tide will be 100 times more focused this Saturday night in Miami Gardens against the Sooners. But after watching Alabama play the Citadel, simply... I'm slightly less worried about that ever-important matchup between OU's offensive line and Alabama's elite front seven. Hopefully, I feel even better about this matchup when I finally get around to studying the SEC championship tape. I'm Lee Benson. 
This is West of Everest. Second and eight. Play action. Flip to the end zone. Touchdown. The Sooners strike quickly. Marquise Hollywood Brown. Why, yes, that is Marquise Hollywood Brown welcoming us into the latest edition of West of Everest. Brown's touchdown catch capped an 80-yard drive that gave Oklahoma a 7-0 lead in the Rose Bowl a little less than a year ago. We've been playing OU Alabama plays in the intro the past couple of weeks, but today we go with Marquise Brown because we really hope he's healthy when the Sooners play the Crimson Tide this Saturday in Miami. Hey, everybody. Once again, I am Lee Benson. Thanks for joining us again as we are now officially in game week. Plus, depending on when you're listening, it's Christmas. So Merry Christmas to you all. Hopefully, however you celebrate the holidays, you're around family and friends and spirits are high. A big thank you to everyone out there who's recently left us a five-star rating on iTunes. I noticed a healthy amount of new ratings pour in since our last episode There's still time for you to get your rating and or your review in before the new year if you shall choose. Just lift up that phone and submit that rating in iTunes. I've also got a lot of positive feedback on Twitter, at Lee Benson News 9. Grant has as well, at Grant Benson 25. And as always, please like the West of Evers Facebook page to stay up to date with the podcast. And speaking of social media and all that fun stuff, Grant, I... uh, I noticed a listener had to set you straight about something on Twitter over the weekend. Apparently, in that last episode, you kind of shortchanged Georgia's offensive line to some extent. Do you care to explain what happened here? I mean, I didn't really shortchange them at all. I just said Oklahoma's offensive line was the most talented in the country. And I I think I might have thrown the word unquestionably in there. And so a listener, who I'm I'm assuming is a Georgia fan, came back and and was talking about, you know, recruiting rankings and whatnot, which I suppose is is a valid response. And so, I don't know, I I basically just figured there's no way either of us are changing each other's minds. We're going to have to wait to see on that one to see where really people are drafted. And so I think I think about 80 percent of Oklahoma's offensive line uh, was about to be drafted in the most in in the most, uh, you know, upcoming NFL draft. And George's is a little younger, so we'll have to kind of wait to see how that pans out. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it's you know it's it's not very often you have a, a starting offensive line in college football where where every single starter is is likely to be drafted. Um, and then I think there's going to be one uh, pretty high first round draft pick in, in, in Cody Ford on OU's line, and um, we're still going to have to wait and see on on George's offensive line. So I think based off what we know now. You know who 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 has you know played college football the longest and whatnot, and who has a track record of, track record of success. I I think it's pretty you know, I think it's a pretty easy call in my mind to call Oklahoma the most talented offensive line in the country when I I think that's the only one we can definitively say that all all the stars are going to get drafted in all likelihood. I don't really think there's anyone else that we can definitively say that about in college football. So that's my argument. Um, we'll see you know exactly how it all pans out in two three years. The thing is. Obviously, I agree. Oklahoma's got the best offensive line, and the Joe Moore Award went to the Sooners. The thing is, Georgia's offensive line was a finalist for the Joe Moore Award. So you can't really say that Oklahoma's offensive line is measurably better because, I mean, they were finalists. It's like last year, Oklahoma didn't win that award, but Oklahoma was a finalist. And for our money, Oklahoma had the best offensive line in college football last year as well. And I think Notre Dame got it. Notre Dame or maybe 
It was Auburn. Yeah, Auburn won it. Oh, Auburn got it last year. I know Notre yeah. Dame was a finalist. I thought it. I thought Auburn I won. Thought. Yeah, the the finalists were OU, Notre Dame, and uh, Auburn. I thought. Uh, Notre Dame won it last year. So oh, they did. Right. Okay, so yeah, that's because they had they had McGlinchey and and Quentin Nelson. That's why they won. And also, I believe their offensive line coach a season ago is now with the Colts, isn't he? Didn't he move on? And I think he's with the Indianapolis. I think he yeah. followed McGlinchey there. Uh, I you mean, mean he, Nelson? Oh, Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll. I will concede saying that they're unquestionably better is probably jumping the gun a bit. <laughs> okay, so we got that out of the way. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not above reproach here. I'll, I mean, I'll say it. You, you were right. I, I'm. You know, I certainly have. You know, the tendency to be hyperbolic. It's within my blood. I can't help it. Sorry. <laughs> All right, since we're talking about our interaction on uh, social media with listeners of the show, let's move on to a little listener mail. And there's one question from Nathan, a loyal listener, that I forgot to get to on the last show. And Nathan on our Facebook page asked this, with Alabama having wide receivers that aren't super tall, do you think Oklahoma's cornerbacks could have a little more success or do you think they'll get burnt over the top? So first of all, Nathan, uh, that's a great question. I think we kind of touched on the Bama wide receivers and kind of how they compare briefly on the last podcast. Not in, in this kind of way, though, that Nathan's posing the question. So this is obviously a good question because the last time we saw Oklahoma's corners play and the DBs in general play, it was against little Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson and the Big 12 title game, of course, two massive wide receivers. I think to answer this question, we've got to figure out what Oklahoma is going to try and play a majority of this game from a defensive standpoint. We know Oklahoma's base coverage seems to be cover four, which can be great if you've got smart players, particularly the safeties who are really adept at reading run versus reading the pass. Just to recap, in cover four, you hope that you don't get beat over the top. You hope. That's because, in theory, you should have defenders for deep routes all across the field. The corners essentially play man and carry their wide receivers deep if necessary. And if their guy doesn't go deep and cuts inside on a dig or a drag, then those corners can help out on potential routes coming into their zones from a different part of the field, from a different receiver. Meanwhile, the safeties are reading run first, then adjusting to pass. If those inside wide receivers go deep up the seams and attack those safeties, then the safeties need to be athletic and fast enough to carry those players deep and not let them get uh, over the top. And we saw Oklahoma fail miserably at this against West Virginia on multiple occasions. But that was against Buki and at times against DeLaire and Turner Yell. Against Texas in the Big 12 title game, Oklahoma really only had issues with deep busts in the passing game from what I remember on that first Texas drive when Texas could have scored it seemed like two or three touchdowns and Sam Ellinger just missed a couple throws but of course Ellinger ended up scoring anyways on the drives so didn't matter uh, and then after that drive it seemed like Oklahoma kind of cleaned things up on the back end a bit throughout the game but back to the question at hand I think you got to ask yourself one thing are you more afraid of speed or physicality when it comes to this Oklahoma secondary Pick your poison. We've seen Oklahoma struggle against Texas's big-bodied guys. 
We've seen Oklahoma struggle against Hakeem Butler of Iowa State and Antoine Wesley of Texas Tech, more big play, tall, strong receivers. And on the flip side, we've also seen Oklahoma struggle against Tylen Wallace and the rest of Oklahoma State's speedy wide receivers and then the speedy wide receivers of West Virginia. I say all of this now to say, Nathan, Alabama's wide receivers are really darn good. They got Jerry Judy, they got Ruggs, Waddle, Devontae Smith sometimes, although in the latter half of the year he hasn't been as much of a factor. It's been more Waddle. And then you throw in Irv Smith at tight end, who's basically a massive wide receiver. If they want him to be, they can split him out whenever they need to. There's just so much talent here for us to really entertain the idea of Oklahoma's defensive backs having more success than not in this game. Double moves are going to be a problem. I've seen a lot of those on tape from Alabama so far. Um, I actually like the idea of Oklahoma facing the little Jordan Humphrey types of the world as opposed to the Jerry Judys of the world and the, the Jalen Waddles because at least Humphrey, he's not going to run by you. He's somebody that you can keep in front and hope that you can rally up and get onto the ground and tackle even though a guy like him is difficult to tackle. If a wide receiver runs past you, it's over. And when Oklahoma's played man coverage – They've, they've gotten beat deep by these speedy wide receivers a lot of the time. So in, I anticipate a lot, a lot of the zone, a lot of the zone philosophy in this game, going to man when they absolutely need to. It's, it's a pick-your-poison type scenario, and it's I, – I guess, again, I mean, I like the idea of the slower receivers because Oklahoma can maybe keep them in front and tackle, but either way, it's, it's not looking good for Oklahoma's secondary in this one, Grant. Uh, your thoughts on Nathan's question? Yeah, I think the the biggest difference with with OU and physical receivers, it seems like they're they're just more likely in that scenario to give up a pass interference. It seems like um, with, with the bigger receivers, they're just pretty terrible when the ball is in the air. Um, yeah, I just I, I don't really I, I still don't you know have a ton of confidence against smaller receivers because I saw what Tylen Wallace did. Um, a guy who's small, speedy, and, and runs good routes. And by and small, almost, Wallace is like six foot, six one, maybe yeah, even I mean, six he's, two. So he's not like five ten. I mean, he's like, like the size. He's he's like the size of Jalen Waddle. Let me double check that. I think right, and so like that's why it, it, it almost seems like Alabama has like four Jalen Jalen Waddle or not Jalen Waddles, like four you know Tylen Wallace types on their team. I mean, their receivers are really good. Uh, it's. It's it, it's tough to say. I would I I would prefer you know one size over the other because it's just Bama's receivers are just straight up good. So they're going to present different challenges like that with route running with whatnot. I mean, two is going to be is going to put a fair share of throws right on the money. It's not going to matter anyway. I, I would say, you know, I, I if let's say in the off chance Tua comes out and he's off by chance on accuracy and whatnot. I, I suppose I would prefer them facing smaller receivers in that scenario because just because of the you know the troubles that they've had this year when the ball is in the air. But I, I don't know. I, <laughs> Judy and and Waddle and Devonte Smith and Rugs they're they're just they're all just really good. I, I just I I pretty much share your thoughts on it. I don't think it matters that much. So Tylen Wallace is listed at six foot one eighty five. Waddle is five ten. So. Tylen Wallace is closer to the size of Judy, who's about six one, and Ruggs, who's actually six foot one seventy five. So, yeah, they, they I mean they got their three main guys right there, and then you throw Devonte Smith in there too. Like I said, he from what I've seen on tape, he hasn't been as uh, he hasn't had as much of a role in the latter half of the year. It seems like Waddle is kind of 
jumped in for him. But yeah, all those players are of the they're not of the big body type. And yeah, again, we saw what Wallace did. Wallace was a Blitnikoff finalist. Jerry Judy won the Blitnikoff. So yeah, it's it's kind of a wash here. It's you kind of hope that that like you said, yeah, that Tua maybe is a little off and misses some throws here and there, which doesn't happen a whole lot. As we transition as we transition into our next topic, a little show update for you all. Grant and I will record our Oklahoma-Alabama Orange Bowl final preview show this Wednesday night, and the episode will be available on Thursday. So if you've been listening all season long, this week's release schedule is the same as it's been all year. This episode is serving as a, you know, a little short primer for you all, a Christmas gift, if you will, to get you through to the big preview show that we're going to record on Wednesday night. And yes, I promise I will have watched back Alabama, Georgia closely before that final preview show. Grant, are you going to watch it back too? Yeah, I'm planning on it. All right. I think this is going to be fun. Our next segment. We're going to call it, Wouldn't It Be Cool? And it's kind of self-explanatory. Basically, Grant and I have a bunch of things that we've gathered that would be cool to see happen Saturday night in the Orange Bowl. So I will get the ball rolling. Wouldn't it be cool, Grant, if OU begins the game exactly how it did in the Rose Bowl against Georgia? Six first half possessions, touchdown, 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 field goal, punt, touchdown. Meanwhile, the defense did its job. It held Georgia without points on three of six first half drives. And that's not including the seventh drive Georgia got, which resulted in that ridiculous final field goal that should have never happened. Wouldn't it be cool if the game in the first half begins exactly like that? Or I guess let's set the standard even higher, even better than the Rose Bowl grant. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, Lee, of course that would be really cool. <laughs> we should maybe also title this segment just wild speculation. Uh, or, oh. or or just or I don't know dream wish or or I don't know wish fulfillment or what I don't know but anyway yeah this is I I, I don't know if I'm as uh, if I'm as optimistic as you right there but I'll I'll start off with this how about that wouldn't it be cool if Hollywood Brown was 100 percent healthy man you jumped right into Hollywood Brown I I I have a Hollywood Brown wouldn't it be cool but I was saving it for the very end. So should I? Maybe I'll save it for the very. Eh, no, you kind of. Nah, just throw it out there because I'm gonna have to. Because I, I most certainly did not put a list together. This is this is gonna be totally. I'm you know I'm gonna throw stuff against the wall to see if it sticks. All right. So I just was th- thinking about this last night, and um, this will resonate with legitimately everybody listening that has been following Oklahoma football for a long time. Wouldn't it be cool, Grant, if Marquise Brown pulls a Percy? Harvin from the OU Florida National Championship game. For those who may not remember, Percy Harvin for Florida was injured leading up to that national title game back in, uh, I guess it would have been the 08 season, but the title game was in 2009, January, obviously. And Percy Harvin was, you know, how how, how healthy is he going to be? Didn't he have a broken foot? Or something like that. It was I think ridiculous. It was, or, no, I think it was a high ankle sprain that happened in the SEC championship game. So I mean, that's a. So it was. I thought it was worse than a high ankle sprain. I thought it was a pretty 
egregious injury. Like it was like, oh my gosh, he might not even be able to play. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I th- I thought it was just a high ankle sprain. Now I got to do a little googling. It was an ankle. Okay. Eh. He was apparently he was very doubtful for the SEC title game. I just have memories of it being a pretty bad injury, and it was the questions were how healthy is Percy Harvin going to be? How effective is he going to be? And boy, oh boy, he was a hundred and ten percent healthy in that game. He was the and difference like in the game. Had, yeah, and it looked like he had never been injured before in his entire life. He was awesome in that game. So. <laughs> it's uh, it, you know probably Marquise Brown's injury is worse than what Percy Harvin had now that I guess you're starting to inform me of some things that maybe I'd forgotten about but that's what I was thinking of it's like we all kind of think Brown's going to probably be either heck I mean he might not even play and even if he does play we're not expecting him to be anywhere near 100% wouldn't it be cool if Marquise Brown is essentially Percy Harvin from that OU Florida national title game and can be a an elite NFL player in that game. Yes, Lee, that would be very cool. I agreed that that would be very cool. So that was mine. So let's let's go back and forth here. It sounds like you're not even that prepared for this segment. So thanks for that. I'm not that prepared. I mean, I could. There's a lot of stuff I could throw out there that that would be really cool to happen in this game. All right. So you're up next because I, sup- I went. Then am you I supposed went, to be like? I went. Am I supposed to be like semi-realistic though? Like. Something that we could actually envision happening? No, this is a fun... This is like the generic... This might as well be talk radio. This would be a perfect right, se- okay. segment if we had phone calls. We could okay. take calls. How about this? How about this? Wouldn't it be cool, Lee, if the 2017 defense versus Ohio State showed up for just one Ooh, night? Ooh, that's, that's good. That's a good one. So, like, we... You know, I mean... It's certainly different circumstances here. I mean, Alabama is going to stretch you just considerably more than that Ohio State defense could last year with JT Barrett. But I don't know. I mean, I, I bring that up just because, I mean, that, that was an outlier of a performance, it, you know, it felt like over the course of that season. So wouldn't it be cool if that happened? And also, I guess I'll add to that. How about this? Wouldn't it be cool if, uh, I don't know, the Parnell Motley from that game showed up or something similar to it? Ooh, that is a good transition to my next one. Wouldn't it be cool if Parnell Motley, Trey Norwood, and Trey Brown all look like they've tried really, really hard the past four weeks to nail down strong corner, cornerback technique? Wouldn't that be cool? Because, boy, we have seen some just egregious cornerback and just defensive back play in general for the the, the course of this year and when it, it just it's even more apparent to me when I've watched this Alabama tape and I get it Alabama's corners are five-star guys and they're more talented than Oklahoma's players but Oklahoma it's not like they got a bunch of walk-ons Oklahoma's got some four-star players and it's just the way these guys play that position is just night and day from the way Oklahoma's guys have played it this year and just it's simple to me it's just clearly there's there's uh they're, they're being coached up better at Alabama. And Alabama's an, uh, Nick Saban's an elite coach. He's the best coach in college football. So, and he's a defensive guy, so it's not that surprising. But, but you would hope that there would be better technique from cornerbacks that play at Oklahoma, and we just haven't seen it. So wouldn't it be cool if that's all those guys have been focusing on is just starting from the beginning, learning all the fundamentals, and figuring out how to play 
solid technique at the cornerback position. Straight from Lee Benson's dreams, everybody. Uh, let's see here. Oh, ooh, I, th- I thought I had a good one. Oh, this one, this one actually I, I think is based in some sort of reality, and I, and I think this probably needs to happen if Oklahoma's going to win the game, Lee. Wouldn't it be cool if Oklahoma's defense and Oklahoma's team in general benefited from a little bit of turnover luck in this game? Ooh. Ooh, that's that would that would be consistent with what we've seen. Again, well, I guess against Texas, there wasn't really turnover luck, but there was the safety that was a huge defensive play that resulted in points. And then against West Virginia, obviously the the two fumble return touchdowns, which is incredible. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Heck, it even happened last year in the playoff. They had some turnover luck and scored a touchdown on defense. Wouldn't it be cool, speaking more on the defense, if Oklahoma's run defense with Neville Gallimore present continues to be passable? Obviously, the run defense was atrocious in the Rose Bowl versus Georgia. And granted, Georgia wanted to run the ball a bunch in that game. That's what Georgia did a season ago. And that's probably more of Georgia's identity running the ball than what Alabama's going to want to do. Alabama's a team that can run the ball very well, don't get me wrong, but they're not just a total run first, pounded down your throat team like Georgia was last year. Wouldn't it be great? Oh, crap. Wouldn't it be cool if that run defense continues to be be fine, be passable? I mean, that's a pretty realistic thing, right? If, if, I mean, that's not a dream scenario. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, could, I, I could see it happening. It's not likely, but I could see it happen. Ning. All right, Lee, how about this? What else you got? Wouldn't it be cool if the Kyler Murray-Lee Morris connection brought us to the promised land? <laughs> that you one know, got it seems st- like it's that- been a while since yeah. that connection showed up in a game. I'm just saying, I'm, I, I see it. I, I have visions of it now. If they're going to win this game, it's going to be Kyler Murray to Lee Morris. Everyone can, everyone can timestamp that. They can put it on record right now. I'm hedging here too. If Oklahoma wins this game, <laughs> it's going to be on a Kyler Murray to Lee Morris touchdown pass. You can put it in the bank we, right now. We've <laughs> we've had some quiet Lee Morris games. He, uh, you know, and and I was thinking about this in my head, and I just went to his stats page to look it up. We haven't seen the Kyler Murray to Lee Morris touchdown connection since that Texas Tech game, and it happened twice in that game. Lee Morris only has five catches since that Tech game, Grant. That's it. Granted, they're, they've been in some explosive plays. He's, he's averaging about 20 yards per catch. But yeah, if uh, Marquise Brown is not healthy, we hear a lot about how Lee Morris has that track star speed and he's like a 4-4 guy. He might need to be Marquise Brown in this game. And... If Lincoln Riley knows that, um, you know, he's had three, four weeks to prepare Lee Morris for maybe a different role where he's got to be a spread the field type role. I don't know if he's capable of doing it, but I mean, Lee Morris's body, I mean, his physicality, he, he looks like a guy that should be a great wide receiver. And he is, he's a good player, but he, he was a walk on. It's not like he was a highly recruited guy, but man. Yeah, Lee, I just, I. I just have a feeling. I think Lincoln Riley's game plan in this game really is going to be uh, to use Kyler Murray's legs 
honestly to confuse Alabama's linebackers and open up the middle of the field for Calcaterra, Lee Morris, uh, Carson Meyer. I I, th- I really think that's where OU's opening is, and I and I said it on the last podcast, but I, I'm I'm pretty convinced of it now. I think that's that's going to be their sort of just the the basis of their game plan. I'm not going to say that they're going to run stuff you know like that every single play, but I, I think that's if 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 there is a, a glaring mismatch, I think that's it right there. This is just a rant. Now, you know, let's talk about this later if we remember. Let's let's stick with the wouldn't it be cool. I still have a few more. Let's see. You just went with the Lee Morris. Okay. Wouldn't it be cool if Oklahoma can get some early hits on Tua? The Sooners have rarely had a pass rush this season, so that might be in a fantasy land. But wouldn't it be cool if early on in the game, because you got Tua, who hasn't played, obviously, since the SEC title game when he was banged up in that one. Wouldn't it be cool if uh, Oklahoma could get to him a little bit early on and potentially get him to think a little bit? Yeah, that would be very cool, Lee. I mean, that's... That, oh, yeah, that, I sure would. Yeah, that is... Um, honestly, I, I just... I don't envision them getting any pressure on him, like, really, mm. whatsoever. I, I could be wrong, but, you know, I... This is, and I, and I, I know we I have like really some either. Bama fans who who listen to this and stuff too. I mean, this is all just total speculation. I, I just, this is, <laughs> I mean, a, a vast majority of this is not likely to happen. Well, that's why wouldn't it be cool? Is that's a good the point. Coolest segment. Ever. That's a very good point. And this is our again. This is our little primer show. This is our Christmas present to you all. I'll give you a little Orange Bowl content in a time and a period where there's not a whole lot of Orange Bowl content. Do you have any more? Not on the top, not off the top of my head, I don't think so. All right, I've got two more. Wouldn't it be cool, sticking with Tua, the topic of Tua, wouldn't it be cool if Tua's been focusing so much on getting his ankle all healed up that he comes out on Saturday and is totally off and he's rusty throwing the football? Wouldn't that be cool? That would be very cool, yes. <laughs> the thing about these long layoff games that I always always am worried about and normally it's from an Oklahoma perspective because Oklahoma's offense is always so fine-tuned and that's always a strength of Oklahoma is I'm worried about rust and getting out of the flow because you got all that time off and all you do is just see practice 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 and you don't get that game feel and you kind of lose it and granted a season ago Oklahoma sure looked sharp for the first 30 minutes against Georgia so it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal although if you do Think back to that game a little more critically. Baker Mayfield was off in that game. He did miss some throws that he normally makes. And a couple off the top of my head were late in the game. And I know a lot of people thought that that interception he threw that was intended for Mark Andrews that set up George's, I think maybe George's either go-ahead touchdown or tying touchdown late in that game was just an awful throw. It, or just like a really bad decision. And no, it wasn't. It it was a good decision. Mayfield just sailed it. He had plenty of green grass out if he would have led Mark Andrews more. It would have been a great throw. It wasn't an easy throw, but it was just it was a throw that Mayfield's made. And then the last one that that comes to mind in that game that he missed, and you'll remember this too, Grant. I can't remember if it was fourth quarter or overtime. I think it was fourth quarter. On a third down play, Rodney Anderson on a wheel route out of the backfield, one-on-one against a linebacker. It was against Roquan. He had a step on him, yeah. And he missed that throw, and it's a throw that we've seen that we would have seen Mayfield make at least once last that year against that TCU. That would have won the Rose Bowl. That would have won the game. Yep. So would have been, been one of the most legendary plays in Oklahoma history. 
God, man, wouldn't it have been cool if that would have been completed? And yes, he- <laughs> yes. So Mayfield was was off in that game, actually. And, you know, everyone remembers he was under the weather leading up to that game. When they got out to California, he was randomly sick. I can't remember what he had. He could barely talk, and that that was awful. So wouldn't it be cool if Tua playing in his, you know, starting in his first college football playoff game? I know he came in last year and won the uh, title game, but you're starting. He's been injured. Wouldn't it be cool if he was a little off, a little rusty? Uli, I have, I, I do have one more, and I'm, I think this is the perfect one to put a bow on everything. Here we go. And this is, this is, this is kind of. This I don't know. I still have be, one more. That's pretty good. But this, go ahead. This, this is kind of going to be a. Uh, a combination of two here. So we'll start here. Lee, wouldn't it be cool if Mike Loxley taking the head coaching job at Maryland is really, really going to impact Alabama's offense, their offense's preparation for this game, and they come out with a suboptimal game plan. And then as as, as an add, an added on of this, what if... In a delicious, delicious turn of irony, that the very first season that Alabama has kind of a high-flying, timing-based throwing offense, they succumb to the month the month layoff because of the bowl game, oh. and they're not used to it. How about that? That's a good one. That is a really good one. I got to say that. How that deliciously might be better than my last one. How deliciously ironic would that be? The thing is, it would be incredibly ironic and maybe the most fun I would ever have watching anything ever in my entire life. The problem with that is Oklahoma doesn't have a defense to really take advantage of that. <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm saying. Maybe maybe part of this irony is Oklahoma because they've, I guess, maybe been in this position before or just because the college football gods decide to take mercy on all of us. <laughs> maybe they use this bull by to really draw up a really nice game plan to limit Alabama. And Alabama maybe not, you know, maybe coming in, maybe taking Oklahoma's defense for granted and Mike Loxley sort of, you know, you know he's being, being two places he's at to once or being distracted. Yeah. Maybe a combination of those two things will just equal a sort of just an uneven day for Alabama's offense and just enough for Oklahoma to outscore them. I think that would be, that would just be just wonderful. And I, that you know, sure would be cool, Grant. And actually, now that I think about it, I think that's that's pretty much their path to winning the game if it happens. Hmm. That's that's it's a, a lot really of good one. That's <laughs> a really good one. That's a great that's a great topic. Or that's a great uh, addition to wouldn't it be cool? Here's my last one, and this one's just uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to preface with anything. I'm just going to say it and then let you go with it, Grant. Wouldn't it be cool? If Rodney Anderson got a procedure on his knee similar to the procedure that Tua got on his ankle, and Saturday, all of a sudden, Rodney Anderson is basically 100% to play. It would also be cool if uh, they built a time machine and they got uh, Tommy Harris and Dusty Dvorak in their primes, uh, brought back Teddy Lehman, Rocky Kalmus, and Torrance Marshall. Actually, no, we don't want three linebackers on the field at once. Let's see here. Um, oh, those guys could handle it, though. Yeah, I'm just gonna say who who would who would we want? What what uh, what Sooners of past would we want right now for this game? I would certainly want Roy Williams and Tony Jefferson, probably. I'd um, like uh, I'd like Brandon Everidge, Derek Strait. I would Derek be okay Strait. with Derek. I would want Aaron Colvin in this game, probably. 
Can we just get all these guys on the field at the same time? That'd be sweet. Yeah. Just, I mean, more than 11 guys. Can we just go like 20 against 11? While we're at it, while we're at it, um, let's get, uh, let's get 2008 DeMarco Murray on this game. And also I wouldn't, wouldn't be upset with Joe Mixon either. Let's, let's bring him back. Maybe, uh, maybe DD Westbrook would, uh, would like to uh, use some of his eligibility left over and come back. Is Mark Andrews available? Can you come back too and play a little? I'd be okay with him as well. Play a little move tight end. Wouldn't that be cool? It'd be very cool. All right, that was a good segment. I enjoyed that. Got a couple, but just, actually, uh, ooh, we got we got to go back. How I, I can't bring up past players and not bring up you know the player who I think would probably be the most impactful if you put him on this offense, Lee, and that's two thousand eight Jermaine Gresham. How could I? Oh. <laughs> Man, 2008 Jermaine Gre- Yeah, I mean, my apologies to Mark Andrews, but I would much rather have 2008 Jermaine Gresham oh, man, in there I'd as feel, well. Oh, yeah, I would love to have him. God, he was, man, he was so dominant. It's too bad that he never got a chance to play on a team in the NFL. I know he's still playing, I guess, but he never got to play in an offense that really could utilize him. He had a few. Properly. You know, he had a few Pro Bowl seasons, like you know oh, where did he, he had. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. He, I don't like. He, he got close to a thousand yards a couple times, and he, he just touched. It, it always passes. seemed like he could have been more though, because just where he was playing. I mean, imagine if. Nah, whatever. Who cares? Also, <laughs> also Jermaine Gresham, great guy, just a really good guy. Apparently, uh, apparently Grant and I, like our mom, has met him. And uh, he's just a super cool guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. They have the most random yeah. stories ever. Very random. Okay, we got a couple total sports talk radio topics to go through. Just to give you guys some more OU, OU-related content. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much we have on this, but Grant, and I got to think... I, I was thinking about this as I was finding the intro for today with uh, Marquise Brown and from the Rose Bowl, things like that, and watching Baker Mayfield play. Grant, would you rather have Kyler Murray at quarterback in this game for Oklahoma, or would you feel more comfortable if Baker Mayfield was still Oklahoma's quarterback going up against Alabama in this game? Do I get the Baker Mayfield currently playing for the Browns? Ooh. Man, that's a good question. No, I think... I think what it's going to be is it's going to be this time last year, Baker Mayfield. So I don't even know if we knew about the whole sickness thing yet. So, yeah, essentially Baker may man, that, that ruins it, though, because, you know, who knows how under the weather he was? I mean, to, to my, I, I really do think that that affected him a lot, that being under the weather. And even though he played pretty well, it's still he was a little off. That's what I mean. That kind of how about Baker Mayfield from last year going into the Rose Bowl, but Baker Mayfield was healthy. Like we knew that he wasn't sick. I'll take Kyler just because of his legs, um, and that's this is not a not a rip on Baker. I, I I've actually gone back and forth on this, like a you know for the last couple months. Uh, but you know I we've we've seen Bake in this in this uh, in this position, and you know granted, of course, he wasn't healthy. Um, you know in, in terms of him being sick. But I don't know. We we haven't seen Kyler in this situation yet with his legs, and and I really think his legs are going to be a huge deal against Alabama. So I, I'm going to go with Kyler just because you know I mean theoretically he did technically have a better season statistically than Baker did last year. Um, so I, I mean you're not I don't really think you can go wrong. I'd feel pretty good with both of them going in. Um, but I'll just you know just to live in the now, I'll go with Kyler. 
All right, I actually agree with you. I'll go with Kyler, too, because of the same reasons. And, I mean, obviously, obviously like we everyone this we everyone loves Baker Mayfield. He's great. But the, the argument for Baker Mayfield that you take is, is simple. It's, he's got more experience than Kyler Murray. I mean, he's Baker Mayfield. He had played many, many games, many, many snaps. And it's just you feel comfortable going into a game this big with a quarterback that just seemingly kind of just knows everything that's going to happen. He's prepared. If anything weird happens in the game, you're pretty confident that they're going to be able to adjust to it and figure it out. That's what you get from a Baker Mayfield in a game like this. You just get that that comfort level of knowing that yeah, he's been here before multiple times and he's got a cocky attitude and he's super confident. But I mean, Kyler Murray's got that, too. The only thing that he doesn't have is just he doesn't have as much experience as Mayfield had at this point. But I do like the idea of the legs because I think that does that does give Nick Saban something to think about and the old narrative, the old cliche about Alabama going up against mobile quarterbacks in the past players like Johnny Manziel and Trevor Knight and that game. I mean, the mobile quarterbacks and Deshaun Watson. I mean, they, they give Alabama and they, they have, it seems like they have a better chance than other more stationary quarterbacks to have success against Bama. Yeah. Lee, the, the, the difference in the, in those situations is that Kyler Murray can beat a perfectly called defensive play with his legs. Um, and Baker Mayfield, frankly, probably could not. Uh, Kyler Murray can outrun SEC defensive linemen, and, and Baker Mayfield couldn't. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the difference. Next topic. I saw this one going around Twitter recently. It was asking, it was a poll uh, from Cliff Brunt from the AP. Good guy. Uh, I saw him poll question, you know, what is your favorite recent game by an Oklahoma quarterback? And he listed four different games and i can't even i mean i one was like love this i didn't hear this is the first i've heard of this okay hold on so now that you haven't heard about it, let me let me just go on twitter real quick to cliff's page and let's find uh, don't poll. tell me any i want to let's let's start naming them off well i mean he listed like four okay well do you want to do you want to name off the like the games that you think that he listed because you can only do four on a twitter page okay or a twitter sure. poll yeah all i mean yeah so, I, i'm assuming one of them would have to be trevor knight versus Alabama yeah so in the the parameters were the last five years and so Cliff put up a poll and then he took it he took it down, I don't know if he took it down but then he amended the poll because he was getting a lot of responses from people including myself about games that he did not list in the poll so he wanted to do it again so let me find his initial poll and then I'll go to his other one all right, so I have his initial one. So, yes, that is, uh, that's one of them. There's three other games on here from OU quarterbacks. We'll see if you can guess them. All right. Oh, man, this might be tough for me. Let's see here. I'm trying to think. I mean, of, uh, this, how this, about, this is the game you wanted to play. You wanted to play the guessing game. Oh, yeah, I know, but there's just so many. Uh, what about Baker and Bedlam last year? Yep, that's on his initial poll. Good call. Uh, Baker at Ohio State. That was not on his initial poll. What in a fact, what a grave mistake! And that's I, uh, I retweeted Cliff and I I said right in Mayfield versus Ohio State 2017. And granted for Cliff too, I mean you can only do four on here. He said, hey, feel free to write stuff in. So yes, he did not have that on there, and so I had to make sure that I pointed it out to him. Hey man, <laughs> no, and, and this is like 
Cliff's an awesome guy. So like we, I, I know him and fine. It's just he obviously he didn't have that one on. So that was not on there, Grant. So you've gotten two of the four on his, on his initial on his initial um, poll. I'll I'll give you hints. The two other ones on there. One game is from this past season, 2018, and the other game is from 2016. Okay, so 2016 would definitely be Baker versus Texas Tech. Ding, ding, ding. This year. Which Kyler game is it? You may not get this one. I'm not going to get this one. They've All of his performances have just kind of run together, to be totally honest with you. And actually, as I was following Cliff on Twitter, too, throughout, throughout the day, I think this is actually on Saturday he did this. He actually made that comment. He, he said a lot of the comments I'm getting is that a lot of Kyler's games just all kind of run together because they're all really darn good. The game that Cliff had on there from this season – was Kyler against West Virginia. I was like, yeah, I mean, he played really well in that game. And, I mean, he had that huge – I mean, the, the play that stands out to me in that game was the incredible fourth down conversion late in the game that basically sealed it. Yeah, Ky- to, Kyler to was – he was very good in that game. I'm, I'm trying to think what I would consider just like his – because you, you definitely have to factor in the moment as well. And I think West Virginia is a, good, is a really good choice, but at the same time – I don't know. There, some of the moments, Lee, in the Big 12 championship game where he just made such low-key, spectacular plays. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think he was, that, I don't think that was the sharpest he's been all season long. But, man, I, he, was, he was pretty much perfect in every situation where they absolutely needed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So Cliff uh, put up a new poll later because a lot of people were commenting and giving him write-in votes. So he has a, a new four games. And let me look at it real quick. One of the games is still the same. So the, the one, of the ga- one of the games is still Trevor Knight versus Bama. But there's three new games he had in this one. And you've already guessed one of the three because he, he added Mayfield versus Ohio State. There's two more that he added. And... Let's see. Should I just give you the the years that they happened, or do you want to try to yeah, guess the Yeah, give me the, the years. Two? Give me the years. All right. So the years are this past season, 2018, and also 2015. Okay. Would, ooh, is 2015 Baker fourth quarter at Tennessee? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, I would, so... Yeah, Baker obviously was good in there, but the game from 2015 I would put in there for, for Baker is at Baylor that year i think that was probably his best game hmm. um that would go in there uh an under the radar one in there lee that i would put i would put blake bell's fourth quarter against oklahoma state in 2013 um let's see here so the last uh the, the last game in in cliff's poll is actually you mentioned a second ago it's the big 12 title game from this year so okay okay so that's enough. So that's the last. So, I mean, I think we named or we, you know, we've mentioned like six or seven games that he, that he posted uh, for the record in his uh, this his most recent tweet, Alabama, Trevor Knight versus Bama barely edged out Mayfield versus Ohio State, 17, 40 percent to 39 percent. So and I got some thoughts on this real quick because uh, Ryan, uh, a guy I work with. And a friend of the pod, he had his thoughts too, and he tweeted at me and what he thought because he he really enjoyed Trevor Knight and Baker against Tennessee in fifteen, and so my and mine mine is Mayfield versus Ohio State twenty seventeen. That's my favorite one. 
And granted, I am a little biased considering if you listen to this podcast enough, long enough, you know that there was a, a period of time where I wasn't focusing that closely on Oklahoma football. And so, honestly, back 2015, Baker versus – like, I wasn't really watching a whole lot of OU football. 2014, 2013, I really wasn't watching a whole lot of OU football. And now that I've learned more about those seasons, I'm kind of happy because this seems like kind of whatever years. Not very good seasons for Oklahoma football. That's beside the point. They had good running games both those years. It wasn't it, – I mean, yeah. it, c- compared to now, obviously, the quarterback play, you can point and look at it and say, I mean, in comparison, was was frankly bad. But they they did have some good offensive lines in both those years and some good backs, um, and they ran the ball pretty well. And and you know they had the personnel those seasons to run the three four defense, and they were not awful on defense both of those seasons. All right, well, so here's my reasoning for why I would go Mayfield versus Ohio State from 2017. That game was obviously on the road against a really good elite level defense remember Ohio State's defense in 2017 aside from that random Iowa game was really darn good I mean that that was a great defense better than it was this year by far a lot of first rounders on that defense you, you yeah know, you great defensive line Denzel really Ward good. I mean Denzel Ward yeah. top five pick I mean uh, great Bo- Bosa was on that who's about to be a top five pick Draymond yep. Jones uh, who's going to be a first round pick start around that defense uh, Tyquan Lewis a starter in that defense who is a rookie for the Colts um, and in his first few NFL games, has been, frankly, outstanding. Another guy who was on that defensive line. So, yeah, incredible amount of talent on that side of the football. And Mayfield went in there against Ohio State and just carved up the Buckeyes in prime time on the road in a game that Oklahoma really needed and effectively, as the season played out, helped them reach the college football playoff. Oklahoma loses that football game. Oklahoma doesn't make the college football playoff. Can I also, can I add some other qualifiers to why this game was so amazing? Yeah. Marquise Brown did not play in this game. He was not a thing yet. Yeah. Mark Andrews got hurt on the second series of the game. Missed the rest of the game. C.D. Lamb was the number one receiver in this game. True freshman. Second college game he had ever played. (laughs) That's what and Baker Mayfield did it with a true freshman in his second game ever. Dimitri Flowers, Lee Morris, and Michael Jones, and Jeff Bidette. That's a, you know who wow. else wasn't a thing yet. In that Rodney game? Anderson. Rodney Anderson. Baker's line against Ohio State: twenty-seven to thirty-five, three hundred and eighty-six yards. It's a seventy-seven percent completion percentage, by the way. Three touchdown passes, no picks. And his, if, if you guys remember, his second half was just unreal. I think he had, he had like 20 straight completions in the second half or something like that at one point in time. <laughs> uh, he uh, was one of, one of the, the best quarterbacked games I've really ever seen. And if it wasn't for some, uh, just kind of some fumble luck that Ohio State had, you know, uh, Abdul Adams, I think, or Abdul Adams fumbled and then Jeff Bidette also fumbled. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the first half, yeah, yeah, in the first half, both in plus territory. That's a game that OU maybe wins by three or four touchdowns. If you, I mean, that 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 was a game that if OU would have held on to the ball, they would have ran and hide uh, against uh, mm-hmm. Ohio State. I mean, that was a that was a butt kicking. So that that's that's why that's my favorite, and here's why the other other games that got a lot of attention: the Bama game, Trevor Knight, and Baker versus Tennessee got a lot of play. Here's my uh, rebuttal to that. Let's start with the more recent one, Baker versus Tennessee. 
I know a lot of people love that one because it was the first time really that Mayfield came onto the scene and he had a fantastic fourth quarter and it was on the road and great. Yeah. And he was younger. Here's the thing though. Tennessee stinks. They, we got hindsight now and even that team wasn't very good. And I know at the time the defense for Tennessee was considered to be pretty darn good, blah, blah, blah. Then that, that, that program is garbage. So that doesn't do anything for me. It, yeah, it was impressive at the time, but in hindsight, and what we know about Tennessee, especially Butch Jones as their coach, it just, nah, it, it wasn't Ohio State on the road in a situation sure, where... Sure glad Alvin Kamara only touched the ball like five times in that game, in retrospect. God, yeah, <laughs> he, I mean, he, he's the best part about Tennessee in the last however many years. He was, he was awesome at Tennessee, and he was, he was actually criminally underutilized at Tennessee. And as far as Trevor Knight goes, yeah, I mean, good for Trevor Knight, obviously. That was incredible. I mean, it was came out of nowhere. That's why a lot of people like that game is because it kind of came out of nowhere, and also it was against Alabama. But let's be honest. I mean, it was not a national championship game situation. Alabama was probably not disapp- or not happy that they were playing in that game because Bama always wants to be in the national title game. Oklahoma was huge underdogs. Bama likely didn't care as much about that game as Oklahoma, I'm sure, did. And so that's why that game to me is obviously is great, but it's just it doesn't compare to Baker's game because again, there was massive stakes in that OU Ohio State game in 2017 and Baker rose to the occasion and was awesome. And that got him into the college football playoff effectively in, in the end of the year. So I'll let you if you have any issues with what I just said, I'll let you go ahead and counteract me. No, I mean I think that's a good that's a good choice. I, that the game that Baker had against Ohio State uh, was was a was a quarterback clinic. That was that was you know one of those games, Lee, where the quarterback was just in so much control of the game. I, I just I, I just felt like everything that Baker did in that game was perfect. Uh, getting them into the right plays, even just like um, you know, if, if if you were calling that game, I mean, OU didn't really you know break off really like any chunk running plays. But they were able to pick up, you know, two, three, four yards every single time they ran the ball, and that was a big deal. And a lot of that had to do with Baker Mayfield getting into the right plays, and that that just happened the entire game. I, I've I've just never seen a quarterback as in control of a game um, as Baker Mayfield was then. That was just a clinic, and and I don't think that's a bad choice at all. I'll I'll still go with with Trevor Knight just because it was so unexpected, and he did things that Trevor Knight has never been able to replicate in his entire career in that game. Um, so I'll take that one, but, and also it was just such a memorable game. Um, but I, I, in this, you know, in this situation, I think Baker Mayfield is just sort of a victim of just so many incredible performances. Before we get to our last couple of, shall I say, talk radio type segments, I did want to mention something that I forgot to talk about earlier when we were talking about Marquise Brown. So looking at the Orange Bowl schedule, by the way, Oklahoma, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to on Monday, the earliest time, the Sooners get into Miami on Sunday night, Sunday evening. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, Oklahoma is already in Miami. On Wednesday of this week at 1230 Central Time, so 130 in Miami, Oklahoma is scheduled to practice and photographers are allowed to be there for the first 15 minutes. So that'll be the first time the media we'll get a chance to look out and see if Marquise Brown is around. So keep that in mind. I don't know if we're going to be able to learn anything from that. Probably not, but maybe something. And then also on Thursday, Oklahoma is going to have another open practice for 15 minutes. And just for the record, I uh, will not be going to Miami. That's just not my job at News 9. I got to 
stay back and anchor the shows. So it'll be Dean Blevins and our producer slash shooter going to Miami, and they're going to be heading out there on Wednesday. So anyway, something to look forward to, I guess. I mean, if we want to get any sort of peek at Marquise Brown, the first time maybe will be Wednesday this week, Grant. Yeah, we'll see. So, I don't know. Okay. I, I I don't know, man. I, I I don't know how to feel about this. I guess we'll just see. I, I I'm I don't have enough information to feel one way or the other. To be totally I mean, honest, nobody with you. does. Yeah, except for Lincoln Riley and the coaching staff and the medical staff. Yeah, I got to think we're at the point too where there's probably some gamemanship going on as well. No, no doubt. And I no hope doubt. there is. I hope there is. I, I mean, you'd be kind of foolish not to. Meanwhile, Alabama has had no problems putting Tua out in the spotlight, and ESPN did a whole thing on his ankle and. Uh, uh, Tua is going to be just fine. Yeah, so there's I, just there, I don't think there's really there's no downside to them doing that because logically it, it makes no sense for OU not to focus on preparing for Tua. You know, yeah, it'd be how crazy it'd be though. All of a sudden, it comes out and it's Jalen Hurts and o, OU's got all this preparation for Tua. Now exactly, but I'm like a running quarterback. But I think there's a lot of truth to it that if for whatever reason it is Jalen Hurts, I think they're going to have it in their back pocket. They can just go with their. Texas Big 12 championship game game plan as, as a general man as a general matter sure so great you want to talk about Mark Andrews and Orlando Brown playing for the Ravens at the next level I Having figured I good mean, seasons yeah figured might as well just you know mention it Mark Andrews Saturday night had an explosive touchdown catch from Lamar Jackson he also had one earlier this season another long touchdown catch yeah, Mark Andrews I, turned into the best tight end on Baltimore, even though the Ravens drafted Hayden Hurst ahead of Mark Andrews in the draft this past year from South Carolina. Yeah, I, and I think he looks good. I mean, on that on that touchdown catch, too, he looks fast, breaking away from the defense. Yeah, shades of the OU-Texas game from last year, running yeah, down the sideline. He is certainly healthy, but yeah, I mean, that was... And uh, one of the things I sort of worried that when they when they transitioned over to Lamar Jackson, maybe... Andrews wouldn't catch as many balls, but I feel like he's been just as big of a part of the offense with maybe even more so since they've gone over to Lamar Jackson as just like a, as a guy who moves the chains. Yeah, that offense is, it's working. And Orla uh, I was going to talk about Orlando Brown, but uh, Lamar Jackson, he was impressive on Saturday night. I've been down on him. I, this is a, their offense is a total gimmick right now, but he made some throws on Saturday that one to Mark Andrews is a great throw. Hey, remember he, when I said that Lamar Jackson I thought was pretty clearly been the second most impressive rookie and you scoffed at me? Well, it's because what they're doing is ridiculous. Yeah, there's been but that was the I've, first time that they've they've had success against uh, a pretty good defense. I mean, if it's the Chargers I mean, have a, a real defense. If for it's the most working, part. is it ridiculous? Like, I don't know. I mean, there's been so I I I've, I saw I've seen this stuff on on Twitter going around, and I guess you know like those Brian Baldinger breakdowns have become sort of like a Twitter thing for people who follow football. Um, and he's basically and he's been saying that Baltimore is basically running uh, the Kaepernick offense with uh, when he was with San Francisco and Harbaugh. That's basically what they're running. Hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, it makes they sense. Have, I mean, I, I would Greg say Roman. Lamar Jackson is probably better suited to run it. I mean, Greg Roman is the Ravens' offensive coordinator, and Greg Roman was the 49ers' offensive oh, coordinator. Oh, I didn't even know that. So there you when go. Colin Kaepernick was there. There yeah. you go. Yeah. And it's, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I mean, Lamar Jackson's probably, not probably, he's a more of a dynamic player than Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick, in his prime, was was really good. He was a really nice player. He could kill you with his legs, and he every once in a while could make a throw. Uh, I'd say Lamar Jackson is slightly more dynamic than Colin Kaepernick when he was in his prime. Oh, yeah, I mean, with Colin Kaepernick, it's just he, once people, he was, you know, sort of a one-trick pony, and once you, 
once you kind of figure out that he's just looking to run the ball, it's a little easier to stop. And Lee Colin Kaepernick, I, in my opinion, is one of those quarterbacks who has just succumbed to the, the exact same thing a lot of quarterbacks do when they enter the NFL. He's just not that accurate of a passer. Bottom mm-hmm. line. That's, that's and it. that's the problem with Lamar Jackson. And so far, he's been able to get away with it. And I'm curious to see how this, this whole thing progresses because clearly the, the thing with this, this team, and it was the same thing with Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers, that was back when Vic Fangio was the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, and that 49ers defense was really darn good. This Baltimore defense might be the best in the NFL, and I'm a Bears fan. And, I, I mean, a lot of the times Baltimore – looks better than Chicago and because I mean the Bears have been shaky against some random teams this year that should not be scoring 25 to 30 points the Giants and the Dolphins uh two that come to mind uh the, the Ravens seem like they don't ever really have any bad games defensively and so that's why another reason why that this offense is working for Baltimore and it's nice to see Mark Andrews playing well and Orlando Brown is starting he's starting at tackle for him yeah. Orlando and he's been great I I said I said right from the beginning that he would step into the league and be a, a very impactful, maybe even devastating run blocker, and, and that clearly is the case. And I mean, it's so. I mean, what a steal! An absolute steal. So. And you said it at the time. I mean, they got him in the third round, and that was incredible. That was an absolute steal because yes, he had a bad combine, and but you know what? Like we saw it all 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 the time. And I know Lincoln Riley and everyone at Oklahoma said, "Yep, yeah, this guy's really good. You're going to get a good one." And they're right. I mean, he's just a monster of a human being. He's a massive human. And yeah, and people just and he's, pass he's rushers, graders. pass rushers just can't get around him. He's, I mean, his his arms are like the size of my entire body. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I told you, see I, those I, guys playing well. I, I I do like hyperbole. You guys yeah, know that. Yeah, no, that's true. The last thing before we get out of here, I didn't know this, so. You got something on ticket prices for the Orange Bowl, I see. Yeah, I went and looked. I saw on, I saw on Twitter yesterday that they had gotten down, Lee, to you know, under $60 for a get-in price. Um, but then I went and checked this morning. The get-in price is about 70 bucks right now. And I just remember mm. last year at the Rose Bowl, the get-in was closer to about 150 bucks. Um, wow. And yeah, you went to that game, for those who didn't know that or just yep. listening. Grant went to the Rose Bowl. He was there and was in the crowd. And So, so um, you would know that. Yeah, I, I just I, I think maybe this is maybe not awful news for OU fans. Maybe Alabama won't have as huge of a presence there, um, because typically you would think that you know the Bama fans would be buying up all the tickets and the demand would be higher, so the prices would go up. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I, I still I still fully expect there to be a you know a crowd advantage to Bama, but maybe it won't be as as bad as it was for the Rose Bowl because last year it was about seventy five twenty five Georgia fans. It seemed like. You might have a, a pretty good point. You might be onto something here, Grant, because it's possible that Bama fans are not going crazy for this game because Bama fans are so confident that Alabama's going to win the game. They're trying to save up to go to the national title game a week later in uh, Santa Clara, yeah, in and you know Northern if, California, which has got to be a pretty pricey trip. And yeah, if you remember, that was the calculus last year of a lot of OU fans as well. To not go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, to not go to, to the Rose to Bowl to, 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 to save up to yeah go to the national championship. Yeah, I know that's a whole whole issue for a lot of people. Whenever all these huge games are neutral site games where there's travel involved, and that's a, just a, one of the weird, bizarre things about college football of of the many weird, bizarre things. So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, who knows if if how much the crowd will have have an effect on this game? Um, I know, like you said, I mean, how much of an effect do you think the 
that Georgia having tons of fans there in the Rose Bowl last year affected that game? Large. Very large. Really? Yeah, it was a home game for Georgia, basically. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was huge. When they were... Um, the the electricity in that building when when Georgia kind of strung together some stops in the third quarter it was it was an intimidating atmosphere. Although Oklahoma does play a lot better on the road, for whatever that's worth, they they didn't handle it particularly well in that scenario, unfortunately. All right. Any other thoughts before we get out of here today? Not really. I'm just I'm I'm excited to watch uh, to watch Baker Mayfield play today. Yeah, I am too. I am too. Yeah. We uh we always record these Sunday podcasts early in the, uh, not not that early, but before NFL football kicks off because it's a good primer for that. And uh both Grant and I are getting ready to sit down and watch Baker play against the uh the Bengals again. Hopefully he plays well. So that's uh that's it for today. Hopefully you all enjoy this. Again, have a very merry Christmas. And uh we'll be back on Thursday with our final Orange Bowl preview. The same format that we've had all season long going into Oklahoma games. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.